listening to Lead Defend, the podcast designed to help you grow in faith and leadership as you navigate the stages of your young adulthood. We address important faith topics and provide practical life tips, helping you build your faith as you engage in a changing culture. Here are your hosts, Seth Tucker and Ryan Scantling. All right. Hey, Lead Defend. It's Seth and Ryan, but we have a guest today. We have Mitchell Imrich. Uh, Mitchell, oh, I mispronounced his name. Yeah, you did. Say it. Imrick. 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 It's got an H at the end. Yeah, I but worked with you all summer. Can we please summer. talk yeah, about the pronunciation Mitchell. of your first name? Yeah. There's two L's in Mitchell. The second L is silent. Yes. I didn't spell it. I wasn't there when I was born. I was just an infant. I don't know what to tell you guys. You so know? if you were to name yourself today, what would it be? If I was going <laughs> to name myself today, you know exactly what I was going to. I would name myself Phineas. Yes. Interesting. After after Seth's what middle child? No, my last child. His last, his youngest yes. child. Yes. Yes. So, so you would gonna, name yourself if you were to rename yourself. You would rename yourself after a two year old. After a two year old who's named after a Bible character. Oh, yes. I see. Yeah. One of the coolest Bible characters the, of all time. The Look the it up. Numbers Bible chapter twenty five. He only has a chapter though. That's it, right? Well, That's he's he actually mentioned later on. He okay. becomes the high priest at a later time. So mm. yeah. Pretty cool. Impactful. But hey, we're not here to talk about Phineas. <laughs> or maybe we are. Maybe we Mitchell's are. gonna change his name soon. Phineas Imrich. We're we're here hanging out with Mitchell, and we want to get to know a little bit of your story, Mitchell. Uh, Mitchell graduated from Washita in May 2020 mm. and is now an intern at a church doing student ministry. And so, Mitchell, how in the world did you go from doing school in El Dorado? To now you're saying, hey, I'm just exploring what God has for me. Am I called to ministry? Am I not? What does that look like? So uh, where did you start sensing that God may be calling you to ministry? Yeah, so it, it was definitely a long journey, and it it was one that I did not have planned out from the start, to say the least. But, you know, like you said, I graduated from El Dorado High School in uh, 2016, and <clears throat> That right there uh, was the beginning of God working in my life. Was him? Do they getting actually me... call it Eldo in El Dorado? Oh yeah. Or is that just people from outside? No. That's okay. like that's like the thing. Like like people like nobody wants to say El Dorado. It's too long. Yeah. And so you know everybody's just like yeah, I'm going going to Eldo. How offended do people get when they you you hear them call it El Dorado? Some of my friends in college called it El Dorado just to make me mad. Mm, I see. Very offended. <laughs> All right, that's so not I, how you say it. I'm sorry. I interrupted. Yeah. Jump back in. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. So, um, I mean, I. God really pushed me to Washita against my will in some ways. Um, and he got me there through sports and athletics. Um, and so I played football there for four years. And that's really the only reason I even went to school there. And looking back, I, I can see how God worked that. And he had me there for so many different reasons. Mm. Um, you know, just, just the friends that I would meet the people that I would get to minister to, the people that were going to minister to me in my four years there, and just, you know, the life, the life-changing and life-shaping events that were going to happen to me over those four years uh, would not have been anywhere close to the same if I'd been at any different school. Um, so, you know, that's really a major life-shaping moment for me was whenever I decided to go to Washita. I didn't realize it at the time, but looking back, it was definitely a huge deal. And uh, let's see, the summer of my junior year at Washita was whenever I was kind of like, okay, God's calling me to something. I don't really know what it is, but he, like, he, he's telling me to do something. So I reached out to a couple of uh, older, wiser guys that I trust a lot. And, you know, I was like, I was like I, I'm feeling this calling 
what do I do about it? Because I had yeah. no idea. My degree it, is in mass communication. I didn't have a ministry degree. Mm. You know, I, I had no plans of going to seminary or doing anything like that. Um, I was volunteering in a church at the time, you know, working with middle schoolers, but was not doing any kind of preparation towards being in full-time ministry in any capacity. And then all of a sudden, here I am halfway through college, and I'm like, life trajectory has just totally changed. What yeah. do I do? So it was kind of a kind of a ground shaking moment for me, and uh, and but it, I mean it's it's all slowly working itself out, and and navigating it all is very interesting. Well, and, and I think we need to make this clear: you're you're still navigating a lot of that stuff. Absolutely. And so I, I want to ask this question: You say that you started feeling a call to ministry. What did that feel like? Was it just an ooey gooey feeling in the bottom of your stomach? Like, like, how do you feel a call to ministry? Or did somebody tell you, "Hey, you're called to ministry"? Well, it's it's honestly a mixture of both. You know, some people see see yeah. the the things that you're good at and the things that you do, and they they affirm that in you in the, by saying, "You know, you're really good at this." Not necessarily saying, "Hey." No, no. God came to me and told me you're yes. called to ministry. Yeah. But they they affirm those things in you and saying, you're really good at this. Have you thought about doing it? And I remember that's honestly one of the things that made me kind of start thinking about it that summer was I had a friend who introduced me to one of his friends and he came and volunteered at a church with us one one Sunday morning and he was like, "Hey dude, like you're you're really good at working with these students." And I was just kind of like Oh, he's he's being nice. He's giving me a compliment, you know, yeah. whatever. And then he was like, "No, dude, like I'm serious. Like you're really good at this." And I was like, "Oh, thanks. You know, it's nice of you." But it really got me to thinking. I was like, I mean, not to toot my own horn, but it's like I feel like I am I'm pretty good at relating to to middle mm-hmm. schoolers at least because I'm you know <laughs> a middle schooler at heart. <laughs> but That's right. uh, y- you know, it's things like that. And then to answer your question about <laughs> what does it feel like, I feel like that is kind of an unanswerable question. Mm. Um, but it's, it's one of those things. It's like, you know, when you fall in love, you'll know. It's like, you know, they tell you when you know, you know, and and it was just Mm -hmm. one of the, it was one of those things where I was just, God spoke to me, you know, and it's just like, I've got to do something about this. And it it was not an immediate feeling necessarily. I feel like it was something that kind of built up over a long period of time. Yeah. And and I was kind of like, yeah, okay. He's calling me to ministry. Now, what do I do about that? Well, I would just say that, like, you know, I believe God speaks to everybody the way that he needs to speak to them. Mm. And so that's what you, when you say, when you know, you'll know, it's because, like, God has a history of how he speaks to Mitchell, and he has a history of how he speaks to Ryan, and he has a history of how he speaks to Seth. And when he speaks to you, you know it's I him. I just want to point out, you just referred to yourself in the third person. I did, I know. And I'm I kind of so dig sorry. it. I kind of dig it. <laughs> I, I haven't been sleeping much. Melody and I got a new puppy. All right. We've got this like 10 week old puppy right now. And he gets me up at like two 30, keeps me up till four, wakes up at six 45. And so, uh, I'm kind of out of my body right now. So like, no, I understand it, it is third person. I'm living in the third person. Seth is. So, um, <laughs> but he speaks to us the way that he needs to. And so when he does speak, you know, it's him. And, uh, and that's why like you can't any, no, no two stories of God, calling them to be saved, like drawing them into salvation are the same. And no two mm. stories of, of God calling someone into the ministry are going to be the same. But uh, you'll know it because you know his voice. Now, you've had throughout this journey several key things that have really shaped who you are and, and really 
um, kind of made you to be the person that you are today. And that's still, of course, a growing thing, and you're growing in your calling. Yeah. What are some of those events, people, places, things that have really shaped who you are? One uh, is Seth Tucker. Absolutely. <laughs> Seth Tucker <laughs> has been a pillar in my life since the day I was born and will be yes. till the day I die. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, I would say one of the biggest We're, things. In the same breath that he encouraged you, he said, no, I'm kidding. Is it to completely tear you down? I didn't hear statement. that. I didn't even oh, hear that. I see. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm here to remind you. But yeah, uh, I would definitely say being an athlete in college and in high school um, is just such a time-consuming thing. Mm. Uh, being a college athlete, as as Seth knows, is, is daggum near a full-time job. And it's one of those things that teaches you commitment and teaches you hard work, um, teaches you a lot of lessons that you wouldn't otherwise learn in college, in my opinion, um, it also teaches you great time management because if you are so busy doing stuff, it's difficult to make sure you maintain the grades that you need to have and also maintain a healthy social life. And for me, that included uh, volunteering in church and being active mm -hmm. in, uh, my, in my Christian community at Washita. And so one, one thing about that is that it, it really taught me how to go about my everyday life and navigate being in a Christian circle and then being in, for lack of better terms, a football circle that wasn't always 100% Christian, you know, and being able to navigate uh, people who are not always going to agree with your faith. Even in a place like Washita, you know, it's a Baptist college. There are still people there who uh, don't agree with you. So, I mean, that's definitely been a huge thing for me. But I would think one of the biggest determining factors for me in uh, – in finding out my call to ministry was uh, volunteering in church and working at summer camps. Um, as you as you guys both know, like I, I've uh, staffed at Super Summer for a few years, uh, I think the last three or four summers, and it's been a huge uh, determining factor in my life hmm. and how uh, being able to see myself in a ministry setting, being able to see... Um, being able to lead kids to Christ, being able to do things like that has been such a, such a life-shaping thing for me because it's like I said earlier, you know, you have people who affirm what you're good at. You have people tell them, hey, you're good at this. It's also nice to see yourself do something good in that setting. And it's nice to be successful in a setting to kind of let yourself know, hey, this is a viable option. You know, like you could potentially do this you're not just going to like fall, try and fall flat on your face. Yeah. So, I mean, both of those things combined have really, really shaped the last couple of years and, and changed the trajectory that I'm going on. Who are some people that have shaped you kind of throughout your young adulthood, throughout your student years that really have played into your calling? Who yeah. are those wise individuals that you called and talked to? Yeah. Well, uh, several, several different guys, but one of, the, one of the biggest ones was uh, Warren Gasway, who uh, worked, worked here at the State Convention. He was my youth pastor in high school, and uh, I just have a really great relationship with him, and he's done so much for me. And even though uh, he, he's not one of those guys I see day in and day out right now, um, we, we have a really strong relationship, and, and he's always there, to, always there to give me advice. You know, he's, he's been in a similar situation to me because he um, kind of got into a calling to ministry a little bit later than some people, yeah. you know, was graduated from college and was working, and then all of a sudden decided he wanted to go into ministry. Mm -hmm. um, so he has a lot of a lot of really good practical advice for me. 
Um, but yeah, he he's one of the big ones, and then Seth Tucker, obviously. Seriously though, Seth Seth does a ton for me too, and and he gives a lot of great advice. Love Seth. That's funny, and, and that's why he merits being able to uh, refer to himself in third person. You have yes, to, obviously, sometimes. this better not become a thing. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> hey, all right. So, so Seth, let, let's let's talk. Yeah. Seth has been in ministry now. How many yeah. years? Oh gosh, um, ten full time. Ten full time years. A few years of like internships and things before that. Okay, so. and and so if you count all my years, it's been right at ten. Yeah. But really, it's been six, seven for me full time. Yeah, and so. Seth, if you had one piece of advice, or maybe a couple of pieces of advice, to give to yeah. a young person like Mitchell yep. or a host of young people listening to this on how to explore that call to ministry, what are the things Ooh. you would say? On how to explore it, um, I would just say to one is is this is how God spoke to me, okay? And and like I said, everybody hears differently, but I I tested what the desires of my heart were based on the affirmation of people around me. So like I first thought I wanted to be a missionary mm-hmm. and, and cause like my first like instant to, to think I was called to ministry was on a mission trip. And I'd led uh, this girl to Christ in the streets of New York city. And I was like, man, that was awesome. I want to do that forever, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and then in college though, like I'm testing that, uh, with the idea that I'm already volunteering in youth ministry. Yeah. I've already been coaching boys and girls club basketball for like four years and, and God just really like spoke to me in a way that I understood that wasn't his audible voice, but it might as well have been where he just, you know, where have I gifted you and where are you already serving? Wow. And, and that was kind of my call to student ministry. I was like, man, I, I have to go into youth ministry right now. And, and God's calling is like fluid in the sense that what he tells you to do is what he tells you to do until he tells you to do something else. Yeah. Okay. And so That's a good word. Like you don't just because like you feel like right now you might be called to youth ministry or middle school ministry or whatever doesn't mean that's what you're going to be doing in ten years. Mm-hmm. You know he he calls you to do what he tells you to do in that moment. Um, I'd also say when you're exploring God's call, God cares more about who you are than what you're doing, mm. and then God cares more about what you're doing than where you're doing it. Wow. Okay, and so like focus in on your heart when you're, when you're exploring a call to ministry and, and the way I like to, this is, this is my goal. All right. I, Malachi two, six, seven, and, and, and eight, I might read eight it is, is a few verses that I really want to live by in ministry. Okay. It says true instruction was in his mouth and nothing wrong was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and integrity and turned many from iniquity for the lips of a priest should guard knowledge and and people should desire instruction from his mouth because he is the messenger of the Lord of armies. Mm. And it's just this idea that there is an intense amount of reverence and seriousness in what we do. Now, like we're in youth ministry, there's a lot of joking around, there's a lot of fun, but but when it's time to get down to business, there's a reverence that should be. I had an intern one year who was working for me and he was exploring a call to ministry. And man, I was on vacation. And we had prepped his sermon, right? He was preaching on, um, gosh, I think it was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, okay? And, and he was talking about King Nebuchadnezzar. And, and he used some words that you shouldn't use in the pulpit, talking about <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar, right? And we, so I, I, we always taped our interns when they preached. Yep. And so we walked through it together. And I didn't berate him or belittle him. But I said, man, listen, there's a reverence that comes when you, when you instruct people from the Word of God. 
It's not a reverence that you're being fake. It's a reverence that you're taking serious the word of God. And so, you know, I would just say as you're going through this call to ministry search uh, to remember what you're supposed to be doing, you're there to be the messenger for the Lord of his armies, okay, mm-hmm. the Lord of armies. You are there to to bring instruction and to guide and guard knowledge and uh, and to turn people away from iniquity. And that's a serious business. And for some, that might be a deterrent from going wow. into ministry. And if it is, praise God. Yeah. You know? Um, so a, a couple things that, that I heard you say yeah. was, one, serve where you're at. Yeah. So through college, serve where you're at. Mitchell, you've, you're doing that. And, in fact, seeking out additional opportunities to serve. And then I also heard you say, Seth, in there, hey, get people that can coach you along. Just like you coached yeah. along that intern and you, you had the opportunity to speak into their life. Um and then additionally, man, you always keep at the forefront what you're doing and why you're doing it. Pretty early on, I just identified Acts twenty twenty four for me as a life verse. And it says, but I count my life as no value to myself, so that I may finish my course in the ministry I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of God's grace. Now, Seth, I think you have been doing ministry long enough and I, even in my short years, I, I've seen it. There are several pitfalls to folks mm. who are starting out in ministry. If we could talk to Mitchell about those pitfalls, what are the things that you would identify that would be helpful for him and a host of other people? Yeah, man. Okay. Uh, pitfalls in ministry are thinking that you should go serve at the church that you dream of serving in right off the bat. Mm. Uh, thinking that just because you grew up in, because I grew up in a huge church in, in Northwest Arkansas at First yeah. Baptist Bittenville. And for some reason, for a while, I thought, man, that's, that's the type of church God's called me to. Okay. Mm. Wow. Well, let me tell you what, God's called you to do something more than where you're going to do it. Yeah. And you need to go and you need to get your foot in the door, go, door, get experience. And you'll come to see that serving at Bear Creek Springs Baptist Church in Harrison, Arkansas is just as important. All right. It's valuable. It's it's and so don't lose track of that ministry is about people, okay? And there are people everywhere, and you can serve people everywhere. And then, so someone told me the other day, Seth, yeah. just along those lines, that the the man that's called to lead Plainview First Baptist Church, mm-hmm. a, a small church that I just finished doing an interim at, is has the same power in his calling as the man called to lead First Baptist Church Dallas. Yeah. And that's so Did you just stuck quote out yourself me. there? No, no. <laughs> just, this was so actually sorry. my father-in-law who's a oh, director awesome. of missions in that area. Yeah. And, and man, I was just blown away by that statement because so oftentimes people feel as if they have an inferior calling if yep. they're serving in a different capacity that's as right. someone who gets the main stage. Yep. Yeah. I, I would say another pitfall is someone who doesn't have mentors speaking into mm. their life and is coachable and teachable. Yep. Seth kind of mentioned that earlier, but... When you put yourself in a position where you're isolated and you don't take rebuke and encouragement and advice, you put yourself in a really dangerous I-know-it-all position. Yeah. I think I was tempted in younger years to think, man, I could do this better than every guy that's over me. And that's a dangerous pitfall. Yeah. I'd also say a pitfall, especially if you're going to be in ministry underneath someone else's leadership, is to not submit to leadership, mm. uh, submit to authority in your life. Um, working with youth pastors like I do, one of the biggest things that I see, one reason that most staff members have a hard time working in a church is because they don't submit to the authority of their pastor. They want to usurp his authority. They want to do their own thing, or they think they've got the better plan. And, and I'm guilty of this in my history as well. 
but uh, submit to the authority in your life and your life will be far better. It's what I tell teenagers all the time. I say, when I'm talking to teens, I say, hey, listen, just a little heads up, your life's going to be better if you obey your parents. Yeah. That's what I tell them. Like, hey, your life will be easier. It'll be better. You'll spend less time being grounded. So in, in ministry, like, you spend less time uh, in trouble with your pastor if you would uh, submit to his, <laughs> his authority. Yeah, and, and, and something stuck out to me earlier that you said when yeah. you were talking about, you know, serving where you are and, yeah. and, and how God may not have called you to something specific. Because, uh, like, like Ryan said, it's kind of something that I've been walking through, you know, is that uh, just just a few years ago, uh, whenever I first felt God's cause, I, I didn't know exactly what that was to. And at first, yeah. that really frustrated mm-hmm. me. Uh, but several people told me, you know, don't be frustrated about that. Like, he'll make that clear in time. And, and at the beginning, you know, I was like, man, I don't want to do youth ministry. Like, that's the that's the generic thing that every college age dude is like, yeah, I, w- I want to be a youth pastor. I want to be a youth pastor. And I'm like, well, I, I, I'm doing something different. I got to do something different. You know, there's there's so many things out mm-hmm. there to do that people don't think of, you know. And originally people were just like, oh, well, I'm called to ministry. I'll, I'm going to preach. I'm going to be a pastor. Yeah. Um, and, and then, I, you know, I started doing a little research. And I was like, there's so many things to do. And then look, here I am, I've ended up in youth ministry and I've got no problem with that and I love it. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't I don't want to pigeonhole myself into one thing because I don't necessarily feel that God has 100% nailed down you're going to do youth ministry for 20 years or whatever. Yeah. Well, my calling was specifically in the field of youth ministry early on, but as I've matured and began to understand calling better, I've understood that God has called me to equip the saints to do the work of the church, yeah. not to have a role. Mm-hmm. And I can equip the saints as a youth pastor. I can equip the saints as a missions pastor. I can equip the saints as a pastor. Like it, it doesn't really matter. He's called. He cares more about who we are than what we're doing. And so, are we going to be faithful servants of the King, or are we going to uh, worry more about what role our our, our role is going to be in the church? And so that's a good word. And yeah. hey, in wrapping up, I, I would say this: that as we think about uh, man calling and processing that, one of the things that I would encourage every young person is get trained. It yeah. doesn't necessarily have to be a seminary formal training, but but find people that you can train under who yeah. can coach you. One of the ways to get trained is by coming to the Lead Defend Conference in 2021. And so you can go to leaddefend.org and yeah. find that information there. Seth, do you have any closing words for us? I do actually. Yes. So, man, not all of you are called to ministry. Yeah. Okay. You're not, but you know what you are called to, you are called to minister. And Mm. so whether you are called into like serving in full-time or part-time or whatever, serving in church leadership or not find ways to serve in your local church. Okay. I encourage you to do that. But with that, uh, we want you to sign up to be a part of lead defend 2021. Yeah. But we also, uh, want you to continue to listen and invite your friends to listen to this podcast. Uh, I heard this on a podcast recently. Just go ahead and unsubscribe and resubscribe. Okay. Do that a few times. It might boost our numbers. I don't know. Okay? Yeah. Who knows? It's who knows? unproven. It's unproven. Let's give a hand for Mitchell with two L's. Thank you, Mitchell for being with us. Yes. Snaps. Hey, thank you for listening to Lead Defend. That's it for this episode of Lead Defend. Until next time, check out our website at leaddefend.org for details on the next Lead Defend conference or shoot Seth and Ryan an email at leaddefend at absc.org. If you want to help us out, rate and review Lead Defend on your podcast app. And make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thanks for listening. Now go lead. A podcast from the Arkansas Baptist State Convention.